the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. As we head into Hour 2, we do so with Congressman David Schweikert. He represents Arizona's 1st Congressional District. He's also the Vice Chair of the Bicameral Joint Economic Committee. David, how are you, sir? I am fine. You had a piece. I think. Have you ever had one of those days where you, you spend so much of the day just mad at everything and going as fast as you can by the end of the day? And I still have a floor speech in an hour or so. <laughs> well, we want you mad. Uh, sometimes well, it's the right no, response. No, no. Uh, sometimes it I, is. I, I'm a... just going to supplement with a little bit of caffeine. Okay. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> right. It's a little late. It's 7 o'clock here, and I'm still sucking down espresso. So. Ca- caffeine doesn't keep you awake at night? Oh, it does. Okay. But, but it also keeps me awake during the day. Aha, so. aha. Okay. All right. All right. You had an op-ed uh, published this week over at Real Clear Markets. Simply raising the debt ceiling won't solve our fiscal challenges. I want to get to that. But before I get to that, yesterday, uh, Kevin McCarthy met with uh, the president and uh, some of the teams there. And everyone walked away saying things looked like there could be a deal by the end of the week. Uh, any other insights or follow-ups that you've been privy to or you can share with us uh, as to where we are on this right can now? Can we stick with I can't share part? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, That's look, fine. I don't actually believe we're that close. Yeah, I was wondering. Um, the, until the Democrats think the polling has changed on them, they're going to continue with the lunacy. Okay. And um, it just, as you know, it enrages me. I mean, even Bloomberg this morning, which which Bloomberg is supposed to be like the credible financial channel you know, of adults going, it's going to be a default. No, default is when you do not pay the interest on your bonds. You can say all sorts of things like, you know, hey, the you know uh, EPA field workers don't get their checks if we um, hit up against the debt ceiling because we... 30% of the money we spend is borrowed. Mm-hmm. But we have plenty of cash flow to pay the interest on our bonds. And not paying the interest on a bond, that's called default. The other, how is that different than when we're up against uh, a budget? We don't have budget right. authorization. Right. right. You're in a budget fight and we right. go into a governmental shutdown. No, they're, they're crappy. They're stupid. It's, it's, it's embarrassing. But that's not called default. And so my, one of the things we did in the Joint Economic Committee hearing today is the Democrats wanted to scare the crap out of people. And we brought in people that said, look, this is, this is not the way to run functionally the largest economy in, you know, or, or for the government of the largest economy. We should never try to run the economy. But it's, 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 it's become theater, and it's used for politics. Yeah, I was reading. I'll, I'll turn back to your uh, op-ed in just a moment. But I was reading over um, at Issues and Insights. I don't know if you ever checked that site out. Those are the guys that used to be with Investors Business Daily. Pretty smart folks. Uh. Um, they and they were they were making uh, the point that 
the federal government has plenty of money to service its debt. We took in yeah. 5.1 trillion in revenue last year when service on the debt was 775 billion. There's plenty of money to service the debt. Was their point? I don't know if you agree with it in those numbers or in that in that language, but that was the no, point. No, no, no. They, they're, they're they're correct. There's, yeah. there's a little uh, movement there, some timing effect, but. But the real point—that's that's similar I, to the point you're trying to make, isn't it? No, no. Actually, my point is even a little rougher. Okay. Um, let's say we did what the left wants—just raise the debt ceiling, keep spending. Right. I believe, and there's lots of signs that parts of the world debt markets are going to go. Well, screw you guys. Mm-hmm. You want me to buy a 20-year bond, a 10-year bond, a 30-year U.S. bond, and you're telling me you're going to do nothing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to start to bend your debt curve. Mm-hmm. Remember, our debt, the curve steepens because we got old. Right. And we have so many, remember, 67 million baby boomers have now started to move into their benefit years. And when you start to get into your 70s, that's when the spending on the healthcare just explodes off the chart. Mm-hmm. And that's coming pretty much in the end of this decade. So you're going to go buy a 30-year U.S. savings bond. And yet, the government is going to do nothing mm-hmm. to try to bend that spending. What's the value of that bond 25 years from now, 30 years from now? Because inflation, we will ha- our only choice will be is to raise taxes like crazy. We know from history, we always get about 18 to 20 percent of the economy in taxes. Mm-hmm. When we have high tax rates, low tax rates, we always get about that much in taxes. Okay. So the only solution will be to set inflation on fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that makes that bond almost worthless in the future. We will pay a price if we do not start to demonstrate to financial markets we're taking the debt. Yeah, through. no, that's right. You make that point really well. I'm going to let you expand on it. But you write in your piece, the government borrowed over $40,000 every second. Yeah, Creditors you know, want to be assured. The new yeah. calculation yeah. is now of fifty. Okay, $50,000 every second. Creditors want to be assured that the U.S. will pay them back. Raising the ceiling without any restraint signals to creditors that we have no intention of ever stabilizing the debt, calling into question our rating, our credit rating once more, right? That's, exactly. And okay. if you look at 2011, in 2011, Standard & Poor's downgraded U.S. sovereign debt. Right. And the Obama administration was outraged, and this is crazy. But if anyone actually bothered to read, and it wasn't just a, like a letter, it was a whole report. And their primary reason was these people are not going to take the debt seriously. And that's and when it was are, $9.7 trillion. Yeah. So here we are a decade later. Yeah. And it's $31.4, right. and, it, and it skyrockets the, you know, if Obama administration gets what, or excuse me, the Biden administration gets another term, you know, we're heading towards 50. And it's demographics. The curve is here, and then the insatiable spending appetite. Yeah. That it are, is the Democrats. Well, that's right. Uh, we already are looking at a federal budget deficit of one point five trillion. If I, if yeah, I, no, if, again, it's it gone up. up. Okay, <laughs> last month. Remember, the tax receipts um, last month took a crash uh, because capital gains taxes fell rather dramatically. Okay. Um, so our calculation is the end of April we're at one point seven. Okay. If that continues, now there's a very good chance um, June often has some very substantial tax receipts, but if it continues, um, we could have a $2 trillion borrow this year. Okay. Okay. That's, inc- that's 
Okay. Okay. Well, uh, what can we do? What are you going to do? Oh, no, no. There's lots of things we can do. One of the first things to do is, um, you know, we, we need actually, like, the offer we made in our debt ceiling. So Republicans voted to raise the debt ceiling. That's right. We just asked for a series of things to slow down part of the spending, and it's still not enough. Right. But it's, you know... Five trillion out of out of twenty trillion of yep. borrowing over the the end of the, the rest of the decade. Mm-hmm. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, in the past have used the debt ceiling vote to extract billions in yep. twenty seventeen, and again in twenty nineteen. Twenty nineteen, yeah, they basically demanded if you add up everything that you know the the spending caps and the things, it was like six hundred and twenty four billion dollars of additional spending. Um, and then the Democrats right now look at you like, oh, it's an outrage right. that you want to trade something. You need these stressors. We were talking about this months ago. The only time Congress is capable of making big decisions, policy decisions, is you need the stressor. It's the end of the budget cycle and yeah. there's no authorizations or the debt ceiling. Yeah. If not, um, there's because there's so many armies of people at our doors day after day demanding, begging for more money. Yeah. Um, and you would be shocked how many of these people walk in the door. I'm a Republican, but you have to give my group more money. Yeah, right. right. It, it's it's insatiable now. Uh huh. But at least we got the caucus to offer a deal that looks like. I mean, I, I, I assume. Yeah, it's yeah, a big okay. boy deal. Yeah, and I. So you're saying you're not so sure by Friday we'll have it done, though, right? I I can't imagine we'll have it done by Friday. Okay. Um, And and there's more other things if you want to really geek out. Um, You have a stressor between basically June 1st to about June 14th. June 15th, we actually have a fairly large, traditionally, um, tax receipt comes in because that's one of the quarterly filings. Right. So, and then all of a sudden you got another month. Okay. All right. All right. Well, drink some coffee, David, and go give them hell. All stay right, close. I'm on my way to the floor to go give a speech. All right, brother. Thank you very much. Take care. Appreciate Bye it. Now. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. Don is in Phoenix. Hello, Don. Uh, hi, Seth. Uh, with the Durham report coming out and everything, I think... Uh, I think it basically describes the FBI running an October surprise for the Democrats to hurt Trump in the election. And, um, you know, the October surprise has been tradition in politics since forever. And with a good October surprise, you can win, win the election. So I think that was the plan all along, just to, uh, just to get an October surprise to put Trump under. And now... With the last two October surprises, there was supposed to be, I mean, Giuliani had the uh, laptop for our side, and he was releasing it in October to, for an October surprise, and the FBI got ahead of it and fabricated that it was a, a Russian disinformation. So um, uh, basically, they've been running our October surprises in our elections to help the Democrats and anybody that thinks they're not a political entity now has got to be nuts. 
I, I agree with everything you've said, Don, and one of the frustrations I have, one of the main frustrations I have is why is it only you and I who think this is such a terribly important scandal? I mean, why, why, why is there no hair on fire about this throughout the country? I mean, if yeah. the shoe were on the other foot, which is a, a pretty legitimate test as to whether someone is morally serious— you know damn well, darned well, what would what would the reaction be in this country, the editorial pages? They'd be calling for mass resignations and mass investigations and something like the church committee all over again, perhaps a reorganization of the FBI. But that talk only comes from presidential candidates who happen to be Republican, no major editorial pages, no consideration at all um, about the fact that you had – Law enforcement officials waging a political campaign from the offices of the FBI and depending on which story you're talking about, whether it was this, um, the Russian collusion or whether it was the Hunter laptop and the CIA. Domestic political yeah. purposes um, being operated out by by intelligence and law enforcement communities. I mean, this well, was like the kind this is this is the kind of stuff that uh, that, you know, Every civic student, every social studies student learns about roiled the country in the 1975 in the 1970s, leading to the 1975 church hearings. I mean, this this the, the, it's just astounding to me. It's it's jaw on the floor astounding to me that there are no good liberal media types, not left, but liberal media types who think that this is beyond an outrage but a violation of civil liberties and constitutional rights, not just of the Trump campaign, but of all of the American people. Yeah, I'd like to see um, articles speculating on what the, what the FBI and the Intel community is going to do in October of 2024 to take down Trump. You know, it's so in your face. It's like, I'd love to see. Well, the articles, see, that's you know, the point, too. That's the that. other that's the other side of this coin is if there is no accountability then there's no reason that it won't happen again. I mean, that's the yeah. per, that's the reason for accountability, usually with the sanction of law. I mean, the sanction of law, uh, you know, an arrest or, uh, or, 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 or an incarceration has a lot of purposes. One of them is to remove the wrongdoer, the lawbreaker, from being able to continue to commit those crimes. That's, that's just but one of them. Another one is to send a signal that this is something civil society doesn't tolerate. Um, we can get into other purposes of, of, of what the point of enforcing the law means or legal consequences and sanction means. But just on those two alone, there is a signal being sent, a dormant signal being sent, an implied signal being sent saying it can happen again and it may very well happen again because nothing happens to you if you engage in it. Yeah, and the left, none of the left believes Trump, you know, when he says, you know, they spied on me, they were, uh, they cheated, they, you know, stole the election, all this stuff. And they're never, obviously... Never mind the left, just every media, major media organization in the country. Yeah. Yeah, I think they should be embarrassed into oblivion somehow. <laughs> well, I mean, I yes, I mean, I, yes, in a, in a society that, 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 that believed in... In, in equal justice under law, in a society 
that believes in what's good for the goose is good for the gander, in a society that believes in just basic fairness, that would be the case. In a society that believed in shame, that would be the case. But as I often say, the worst form of shame is having none, and that's where you get the word shameless from, and they are shameless. They are shameless. So, I mean, we're left, we're left with this problem that you've identified, which is strap on the seatbelts and be prepared for next October, a year from October, um, because it, yeah, yeah. It, it very, the signals have been sent. Go ahead. Green light. Do it again. Worst thing that will happen to you is someone will write – someone you'd never heard of will write a 300-page academic report that will lead to uh, a day's news cycle and no more. That's the worst thing that will happen to you. That's the signal we've sent here. Yeah, but if we have more ammunition to knock down the story. Yeah, well, sure, sure. right there. Everybody can see it. Well, I mean, that I that's why, you know, that is the only – lingering value of it is yeah. the the ability to use it you, well price. yeah well the ability to use it in our talking points and in our ads but i mean we've really got to do it i mean we've 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 got to settle on maybe i'll i'll go to work on this over the weekend maybe but we've got to settle on 10 of the worst things we learn no that's overstating it we need to settle on 5 of the worst things we learn on every issue that we think the Biden administration or the Democrats or the deep state is vulnerable on and 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 keep it pretty simple but keep it everywhere all the time websites uh, redounding talk radio op-eds we've got to de- we've got to put that loop out there because if not this will be drowned out by the other loops that the regular media or what I'm beginning to call cartelized communication and the loops that they promote. We have got to be able to do this. Part of it is, you know, not reacting to everything they throw at us, but settling on, you know, a key set of the most important things. Yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah, we're not going to, we're, yeah, we're not, yeah, we're not going to get it from more special prosecutors. We're not going to get it from the Department of Justice. I mean, think about the implications of uh, of what Brett Johnson was saying at, at the end of the last hour, which is, OK, so if Congress uh, can uh, call witnesses that may end up perjuring themselves or may violate uh, congressional subpoenas and act in contempt of Congress and they refer a criminal indictment out over that, who do they refer it to? Well, they refer it either to the Department of Justice, i.e. Merrick Garland, or the U.S. Attorney in Washington, D.C. As Shakespeare said, don't trouble the poor with begging. All right. Thank you, Don. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. India, Russia, China, Brazil, Saudi Arabia, they're all conducting international trade in local currencies, not the U.S. dollar, threats to our financial freedom and stability are growing. Rising interest rates and bad loans are exposing the banking system and causing failures. The Biden administration is sending hundreds of billions of dollars abroad while depleting our strategic oil reserves and ignoring crumbling infrastructure here at home. However, the biggest financial threat may be coming from within central bank digital currency. The patents have been filed, and big banks have released plans for implementation. The vets at Midas Gold Group 
see terrible implications. The end of financial privacy, the end of cash, big government able to see your every purchase, ties to social credit. Own private currency, gold and silver. Now, get free silver just for asking Midas Gold Group how you can use your retirement to own physical gold. Call the vets at Midas Gold Group today at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Or check them out online at MidasGoldGroup.com. MidasGoldGroup.com. Boy, this is this is an astounding statistic. The mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, said today in a press conference that nearly 50% of New York City hotel rooms are occupied by illegal immigrants. He said, instead, quote, instead of money coming from people who are visiting us and spending it on our tourism, instead of spending it on those hotels, we, the government, are now using those hotels. Well... Yeah, okay. Talk to me about why you made your city a sanctuary city. It's great in theory, isn't it? It actually isn't. That's the thing. People fall into this trap of saying, well, yeah, you can say it's great great in theory. It doesn't work in practice. It's not great in theory. A sanctuary city is not great in theory. A sanctuary city is a nullification city. It's a nullification of federal law. There is federal law about illegal immigration. In fact, Title VIII of the U.S. Code calls them illegal aliens. Aliens. Not undocumented Americans, not undocumented migrants, illegal aliens. And these sanctuary cities preen about when what they are doing is nullifying federal law against the law, against the Supremacy Clause, and then complaining when... The problem they invited comes knocking on their door to take advantage of that which they shouldn't have proclaimed in the first place. David, what's your uh, what's your pin say today? Ike and Dick, there for you. Nineteen fifty-six or fifty-two? Yep, either one. Either one. All right. What? Why'd you do that? Because I quoted Buckley the other day, right? What was it? I, he, what did he say? I don't like Ike. I don't say I like Ike. I say I support him. Something like that. Yeah. I find it palatable. Yeah, yeah. I don't like Ike. I support Ike. Yeah. Right. Okay. And what else you got today for us? Anything fun? Fun. You had had a whole series of complaints. You're decorating the studio here. It's not – what is this? Do you understand that a thin patina of aged, yellow-tinged newspaper pasted to a window with light behind it is inscrutable? (laughs) <laughs> well, may I remind you that you got me that newspaper. I gave it to you. Yes. And I said, if you want to put it up, put it on a backboard and put it up somewhere. Don't just tape. We'll it's a collector's item. Now you got me mad because I'm. it's dawning on me that this is an antique that you've just casually and recklessly put scotch tape on on a piece of glass. Shall we uh, describe to the audience what is on this? It's inscrutable because it's a thin patina of yellow-tinged newspaper with a light-lit background that you cannot read. So if you can explain it, go ahead. 
I could explain it just fine. This okay. A, a great Not the point of art where only one person can explain it, unless you're into modern art, I suppose, or oh, postmodern yeah, art. True. <laughs> it was on April 2nd, 84, I think. Um, yes, it's, it's practically antique. From the same, the day after. 40 years old. The day after Marvin Gaye was killed, yeah. and it reports on that. But in that newspaper, we found an op-ed from Gene Kirkpatrick yeah. on Ronald Reagan yes. with a lovely illustration of Ronald Reagan with a pair of uh, wayfarers on, and it just looks like it's straight out of a comic book, and we were going to put that up in the window. We were going to put it up in the window and in a way that could be will. seen. I mean, present pluperfect tense in a way that could be seen if it were, you know, if it had a background. All you had to... T- I'm also an interior decorator. We'll be right back. 602-508-0960. How's the uh, transitory uh, inflation working out for you? How's the rest of the economy working out for you? Bank failure, stock market volatility, possible recession on top of all of that. Folks at Y-Refi have an investment in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's an investment in a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure and collateralized portfolio that delivers an up to 10.25% rate of return. Why Refi is based locally here. I encourage you to stop by their offices. They're up on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there. I can tell you you won't get a sales pitch. No one's going to ask you to sign anything. And when you meet with the team at Why Refi, you'll see why I like and trust them so much and you can as well. A due diligence approved firm, as I say, you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. A 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34. David Harsani is pulling no punches. He, a regular guest, maybe we can get him on tomorrow, over at The Federalist, writes, In a healthy democracy, John Brennan would already be in prison. This kind of goes back to the call I was having with Don. Harsani writes, the just-released Durham report confirmed that the FBI not only failed to corroborate the Steele dossier, Hillary Clinton's oppo doc against Donald Trump, but it regularly ignored existing, sometimes dispositive evidence to keep the investigation alive. Some officials were credulous, others were devious, but no one stole our democracy other than perhaps intelligence officials and the journalists who helped feed the collective hysteria over Russia. John Brennan, he calls him the Hamas-loving authoritarian and partisan propagandist, almost surely knew it was a con from the start. Yet he spent four years on television sounding like a deranged subreddit commenter. Even after privately admitting he knew there was no collusion, Brennan kept lying and using his credentials to mislead the public. From Durham's report, let me quote, CIA Director John Brennan and Deputy Director David Cohen were interviewed by the Office of Special Prosecutor and were asked about their knowledge of any actual evidence of members of the Trump campaign conspiring or colluding with Russian officials. When Brennan was provided with an interview of the origins of the Attorney General's review after Special Counsel Mueller's finding of a lack of evidence of collusion between Trump campaign and Russian authorities, Brennan offered that they found no conspiracy. As Durham points out, even 
after special counsel Robert Mueller delivered his report and after Brennan admitted no one found a conspiracy between Russia and the Trump campaign, this former head of the CIA, Brennan, went on with MSNBC's Joe Scarborough, another all-star election denier, and claimed that, quote, he sus- that he, quote, suspected there was more to collusion between the Trump campaign and Vladimir Putin than Mueller had led on. Did we mention this is the former director of the Central Intelligence Agency? Brennan must have been relying on that same gun gut instinct that led him to sign a letter asserting that the New York Post's Hunter Biden laptop scoop, a journalistic effort with more corroboration than virtually anything connected to Trump's alleged collusion, had, quote, all the classic earmarks of a Russian information operation, close quote. The House Judiciary Committee recently uncovered an October 2020 email from CIA Deputy Director Michael Morrill, Morrell, who was working with the Biden campaign to contact concoct a talking point to, quote, push back on Trump during the presidential debates. He asked Brennan to sign on to the disinformation. He actually wrote, "Okay, Michael, add my name to the list. Good initiative. Thanks for asking me to sign on. That's what Brennan wrote, Michael. That's all it takes for the former CIA director, a man who was given immense unchecked power, a man who oversaw secret kill lists and was the driving force behind drone strikes on civilians to sign a letter he knew would obstruct the workings of democracy and the free press. This is a this is a man who still has access to classified documents because he still has a security clearance. You might remember all the hand wringing over broken norms when Trump allegedly barred intelligence agencies from sharing classified information with Brennan. The New York Times even gave a column to argue that Trump's claims of no collusion were, quote, why the president revoked his security clearance, close quote, which, again, he almost certainly knew was a lie. Of course, Brennan should have been denied access to any classified material and driven into exile after he was caught overseeing an operation of illegal spying on staffers in the Senate. CIA officials broke into Senate computer files and viewed emails and drafts of a report on torture. All of it was illegal. Brennan covered up the agency's actions, also illegal, blamed the Senate, and pushed to fire at least one staffer who was tasked with investigating his agency. All this happened when Barack Obama was in charge, so most people probably missed it. It wasn't until the CIA's inspector general confirmed this wrongdoing that Brennan began negotiating with senators about owning up to the spying. Even then, Brennan was lying. When asked about the CIA hacking into Senate computers at an appearance at the Council on Foreign Relations, Brennan said, quote, nothing could be further from the truth, close quote. Nothing? He said we wouldn't do that. He said that's just beyond the scope of reason in terms of what we would do, close quote. He went on to say again, quote, let me assure you, the CIA was in no way spying on the committee or the Senate, close quote. The Obama administration administration backed Brennan fully and the Senate moved on. No one put him under oath and grilled him about the specifics. As with the FBI interference in the 2016 election, not one person was held accountable for domestic spying, much less fired. Not that my voice matters very much, but this is probably the first time in 20 years of writing, he writes, uh, Harsani writes, and I've written thousands of columns, that I've wondered why a public official isn't in prison. Brennan has abused his position, power, and access with impunity for years. He deserves a bright orange jumpsuit. Yet we also all know 
he'll never be held accountable either. So at the very least, let's hope he can be disgraced. There's hopium there, sure, and David's exactly right, but it's not going to happen. It would have happened by now. It would have happened after the revelation of the goings-on with the Hunter Biden laptop and the 51 intelligence officials letter that Mike Morrell solicited for political purposes. Deputy Director CIA writing to former intelligence officials with security clearances saying sign on to the letter to give Biden a talking point in the debate, which Biden used as a talking point in the second debate, and it altered the election, the purpose for which those 51 signatories put their name on that letter. The purpose was accomplished, and nothing is going to be done about it, not one thing. And because nothing was done about it, it will happen again. That is the purpose of consequences and accountability, preventing it from happening again. No consequence, no accountability, no stopping its future happening. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Um, David, yes, you have the floor, sir. I have a big question Yes, for you. sir. Recently, we've been on some uh, loquacious discussions on jazz music, right? And you have expressed your displeasure with Miles Davis, whom many in the audience seem to enjoy. And then it, it, it occurred to me that you said you were at his last concert. Now, why on earth would you go to a concert of a man whose music you don't enjoy? I was at his—I'm pretty sure it was his last concert. It is true. Um, it was at—I uh, mean, you can fact-check me on this, but it was at the Hollywood Bowl. And I was in grad school at the time. And uh, in my defense, I did not uh, buy the ticket, nor would I have— but um, it was like tenth row, and what? What are you looking at? Why are you nodding? Does August twenty fifth, nineteen ninety one sound correct? I would have been in. Yes. Yeah, well, that was the last gig. There's even an article about uh, it on the Hollywood. You fact checked me in real time. I did. Yes. You, you Caitlin Collins, me. I'm doing better than CNN. You're doing better than CNN because you got it right and I got it right. We're both doing better than CNN. Okay, that's that's that. Well, you shouldn't be happy about – yeah, right. There's a schadenfreude implication there too but uh, about Miles. But I just went for the gamutlikite of it all. Um, you know, he was a legend. It was worth seeing him. It was worth going with some friends to a 10th row venue at the Hollywood Bowl. And in those days, what F. Scott Fitzgerald called my younger and more vulnerable years, you know, it's a party. And um, But I stick by my point one of the most lousy famous trumpet players ever and he was awful that night too i mean he's he and he does a terrible live performance his back is to the audience it's not about the audience he's you know he's just so interest into himself you know uh, great great entertainers and in fact great trumpet players that i can think of loved their audiences and gave the audience a show uh, miles didn't his back was often to the audience and he's just a lousy player here's the test here i mean he may have been a, a great musician he may have been i don't understand jazz all that well 
I'll take people's words for it. I'll take experts, Leonard Feather and other experts' words for it, and some of our callers, that he was a great musician. He just wasn't a great trumpet player. And the test, I have to go, don't I? The test, got a the test is no one ever grew up saying and no trumpet teacher ever said or trumpet player said, I want to play like Miles Davis. So it was sort of a litmus test, and the concert uh, ultimately brought you into the negative. <laughs> Well, let's just say it reaffirmed what I already thought. Yes. But it was about the Gamutlakite, not the music. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad we fact checked that. I never have actually. I've been saying it for years. We never I never actually looked it up whether I was right. It really was his last concert. There you go. Real time. Thank you, sir. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.